Welcome to the Felon File Podcast. A review of historical true crime in the Appalachian Mountains and elsewhere. Hosted by Scott Lunsford, retired police detective, author, and researcher. Officer, how can it be? You can rest everybody, but cruel Stagley, that bad man, oh cruel Stagley. Greetings, and welcome back to another episode of Felon File. And as Victoria just said, I'm your host, Scott Lunsford. And here on Felon File, we are a discussion of law enforcement, crimes, punishment, things that have happened related to that, mostly historical. We try to go back and look at some of the things that have happened that I hope you find interesting. I hope to give you a a different perspective on it or maybe look or give you some information you didn't know. Crime, murder, and mayhem. They've been a song topic for probably, I guess, since people started putting words to music. Often the stories told in the song tend to be pretty much entirely fictional, the product of the songwriter's imagination. Johnny Cash never shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. And the events related to such famous songs and song stories as El Paso, uh, the song I Shot the Sheriff, These incidents never actually occurred. There is, though, a song recorded by James Brown, Nick Cave, Neil Diamond, Clash, Pat Boone, Fats Domino, Bob Dylan, Duke Ellington, The Grateful Dead, Woody Guthrie, Tom Jones, Jerry Lee Lewis, Mississippi John Hurt, The Black Keys, and, of course, the King, Elvis Presley. Over 400 artists have recorded this song since it was first recorded in 1923. Margaret Walker and James Baldwin both wrote poems about the incident and from the song. It's been refashioned into a musical, two novels, a short story, an award-winning graphic novel, a Ph.D. dissertation, a pornographic feature film, and not to be undone, a fairly decent hard cider. The song has been in many different styles, ragtime, Broadway show tunes, blues, jazz, honky-tonk, country, 50s rock and roll, 60s, 70s rock and roll, punk, heavy metal, rap. There's even a Hawaiian version. The song's imagery can be found in the history of modern gangster rap, which really and truly is not that modern. If you go back and look at it, the roots of it go back to the 1800s. Educated musical historians say you can hear the evolution of modern music in this one song if you just listen to it. And what is that song, you might ask? Well, that song is Stagger Lee. The song Stagger Lee has drifted from the facts somewhat throughout its many lives and the different types of music that has come from it. But the last hundred years, it's been around for that long. But still, it's a song inspired by or 
actually documenting in a way an actual murder that took place on December 27, 1895 in St. Louis, Missouri. A barroom fight involving a man named Billy and another man called or referred to as Stag Lee. Now this song is still sung, played, produced, and recorded today. Though modern technology, which is interesting, helps with this production of the song. Electric guitars, synthesizers, digital recordings, and the like. I find it interesting that the song actually started in the old steam power days. The name Staggerly may have actually come from the name of a steamboat or a steamboat captain. Uh, the Stag Lee, which operated on the Mississippi River and owned by the Lee Boat Lines. And at one point was captained by a Stag Lee, a different gentleman. Although some historians say the name comes from a slang term, meaning going at it alone, a loner, or being one man, it's kind of up in the air where his nickname actually came from. Until they perfect a working time machine that allows us to go back and forth through time, I guess we'll really never know for sure. The St. Louis Press, again, 1895, under the headline, Shot in Curtis Place, which Curtis Place was a bar, they ran the story in the next day edition of the St. Louis Global Democrat. Apparently, St. Louis had several newspapers at that time period. The article states, William Lyons, or Bill Lyons, 25 years old, a levy hand, was shot in the admin yesterday evening at 10 o'clock in the saloon of Bill Curtis by Lee Shelton, or Lee Shelton, depending on who which article you read. According to the Globe Democrats account, Billy Lyons and Stag Lee Shelton, an argument over politics boiled over and Lyons snatched Sheldon's hat or Shelton's hat from his head. While many musical versions of the story would depict the dispute as one over gambling, they still talk of Stag Lee Stetson hat being a very essential part of the story. And the story in the article, Sheldon drew his revolver and shot Lyons in the abdomen. When his victim fell to the floor, Shelton took his hat from the hand of the wounded man and coolly walked away. Now the story continued to grow. Poems, camp stories, songs materialized, uh, ballads. All this came from the incident as the legend grew. The most famous of these musical renditions was the 1928 Stagoli Blues by Mississippi John Hurt. Luckily, that version recorded in 1928 is not copyrighted. Stagoli became an unlikely number one pop hit for singer Lloyd Price much later. However, versions of the story have appeared in songs by artists as wide-ranging as Woody Guthrie and Duke Ellington, like I said. The real Lee Shelton, or Stagger Lee, was an African-American man born in 1865, three years after the Civil War. He was born in Texas. Later, he was working as a carriage driver in St. Louis, Missouri, and it was there that he gained the reputation as a pimp and a gambler. 
He did well enough business-wise to become a captain in a club, uh, an African-American club called the 400 Club, a political and social club with a slightly dubious reputation at the time. J.C. Covington, who was the, quote, financial secretary of the 400 Club, wrote a letter to the St. Louis Star newspaper that was printed December 29th, 1895, after the killing in the bar. It states, The 400 Club was organized on December 6th, 1895, for the moral and physical culture of young men of color. We contemplate no acts of violence, and as law-abiding citizens and voters, we stand ready and willing to protect the laws of our city, state, and the United States. Our order was organized with Mr. Will Richmond as president, Robert Lee as secretary, and Mr. Lee, Lee Shelton, as captain. According to the article, the club was formed about 20 days before the actual shooting incident occurred. Cecil Brown wrote an excellent book on the whole incident and the social ramifications that reverberated all the way from 1825 to modern times. He also did his uh, doctorate thesis on the subject and on the song and the history of the song. It is a very interesting read. According to Brown, Lee was a pimp, but not a typical pimp. He's described in his thesis and in his book, Lee Shelton belonged to a group of pimps in St. Louis known as the Macs, M-A-C-K-S. The Macs were not just urban strollers. They presented themselves as objects to be deserved. They wanted to be seen. He was nicknamed Stagley or Stackley, possibly because he operated Stag or by himself without friends. Or he may have taken the name, like we said, according to Dr. Brown, from the riverboat captain called Stackley. Two other writers and researchers, a John and Alan Lomax, write the nickname came from a riverboat company owned by the Lees of Memphis called the Stack Lee. Now, this particular riverboat was known for its onboard prostitution. Another news article from the day, the St. Louis Globe Democrat, wrote the following. On Christmas night in 1895, Shelton shot William Billy Lyons in a St. Louis saloon following a dispute. Billy William Lyons, 25, a levy hand, was shot in the abdomen yesterday at 10 o'clock in the saloon of Bill Curtis at 11th and Morganton Street by Lee Sheldon. The two were friends and were talking together. Both parties, it seems, had been drinking, feeling exuberant spirits. The discussion drifted into politics and an argument was started, the conclusion of which was that Lyons snatched Sheldon's hat from his head. Shelton demanded hits return. Billy refused, or Lyons refused, and Shelton withdrew his revolver and shot Lyons in the abdomen. When his victim fell to the floor, Sheldon took his hat from his hand and coolly walked away. He was subsequently arrested and locked up at the Chestnut Street Station. Lyons was taken to the dispensary, where his wounds were severe, 
Lee Sheldon is also known as Stagley. Other articles would later add to the story that Shelton had first crushed Lyons' derby hat, after which Lyons grabbed his Stetson and demanded restitution. Instead of paying him, Shelton simply drew his gun and smacked Lyons in the head with it. When Lyons lunged for Shelton, Shelton simply shot him. Lyons was killed by the injuries that he received in the disagreement in the fight. Staggerly, or Shelton, hired a white lawyer through the help of his friends, Nathaniel Dryden. He defended Shelton in court. Nathaniel Dryden himself was an interesting person, very attractive man to say the least. He was born in 1850 in Missouri to a Judge John Dryden and his wife. His father was a justice of the Missouri Supreme Court. Dryden graduated from Anhurst College and started practicing law in 1871. He was described as a very eloquent orator in the courtroom, and he is actually the first attorney to gain a conviction for the hanging of a white man for killing a black man in the state of Missouri. His power as an orator was his ability to impress a jury with the sincerity of his opinions. He could articulate and state all the facts and circumstances established by witnesses and logically construct everything with a very rational conclusion. That was according to a, another attorney, a Charles P. Johnson, in another published work. Basically, though, what he's saying is he was a good storyteller. He could put the facts together in a certain way to get his point across and make his point sound reasonable, logical, and practical. His reputation, though, for hard drinking and morphine addiction caused him to be known, though, as the wickedest man in the state of Missouri. There was also a little incident of an unsolicited love note from an infatuated shop girl that forced him to admit to the press that he actually had a second marriage that he kept secret, which was a big surprise to his four daughters and his first wife. Dryden died on August 26, 1896, after a drinking and morphine binge after Lee Shelton or Stagley's first trial and right before his second. If Dryden had lived, there's a really excellent chance that Staggerly might have gotten off on the murder or had been found not guilty. And then there's the possibility that he would not have been remembered in history like he was now. One article of the day wrote that when Staggerly and Dryden entered the courtroom for the original trial at the courthouse, 300 angry African-American people surrounded the courthouse while the angry people hissed and cursed both of them as they entered the courthouse. Now, in 1896, the year of the trial, political news was going on at the same time as the murder. And a lot of the election year, in what will be considered by historians to be one of the most dramatic campaigns, really, in American history, St. Louis being the fourth largest city in the country, it had a very important role 
in the campaign. Was politics part of the reason of the murder? Both political parties were seeking the black vote at the time. William Lyons was known as an organizer for the Republicans. Lee Shelton was known as an organizer and supporter of the Democrats. The black vote had gone to the Republicans since the end of the Civil War, but things were changing. Ladies in Politics, Downfall and the Death of Many Men After he was arrested, Shelton on January 3rd of 1896, he was placed on a $4,000 secured bond, equivalent to about $100,000 in today's money. Billy was not the only death connected with Staggerly. In an article published in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, January 8th, 1896, there was a title of Too Much Murder. It seems that a Stella Casey, the wife of a Mr. Nelson Casey, the man who killed Henry Massey about two weeks previously, died at the city hospital Wednesday morning because of poison. Mrs. Stella Casey did. She took a dose of rough on rats, which was a rat poison at the time. It was taken Tuesday night with a suicidal intent. Stella was described as a highly educated 21-year-old female. Her despondency over the murder of her stepfather, Billy Lyons, who Staggerly had killed. Stella also had a very close friend, a Mrs. Jessie Sims, who had been murdered by her boyfriend, Alex Royal. After killing Massey, Stella's husband, left the young lady without any information on where he went or if he would even return. Soon after that, one evening Stella went out on the pretense of getting some lunch and returned half an hour later, sat in the living room with her mother and a man named Rice. In the middle of their conversation, Stella suddenly jumped up, shouting, Now if you don't think I'm dead, just look here. Apparently this was in reference to the conversation she was having having with her mother and her depression due to the surrounding death that had happened in her life just recently. She swallowed the rat poison but in an attempt to save her as it was evident what she had done what she had taken they took her to the hospital wherever effort was made but unfortunately she died from the rat poison or the cyanide before her stomach could be pumped out. And it was just a month later that the grand jury indicted Lee Shelton on a charge of first-degree murder for killing Stella's stepdad, William Billy Lyons. Now, a group of Stackley's friends put together a petition after Stackley was in jail for a while, asking that the sheriff grant the man a wish for his dying mother. He requested to be able to visit his dying mother at her house. He requested the opportunity to visit one last time with his dying mother. The February Post of Monday's edition published an article with this information. Now, according to the report, Stack Lee was taken to his dying mother's bedside on Sunday afternoon by two deputy sheriffs. Miss Lee had been ill for the past month. Her son had been trying in every way to get out of jail just long enough to see her and administer some consolation to the old woman in her waning life. 
The previous week, people living in the neighborhood of 12th Street that were friends of Stagger Lee circulated a petition requesting that Stag Lee be allowed to meet and visit with his mother before she passed. This was presented to Sheriff Troll, who assigned two deputy sheriffs to take Lee from jail to his mother's house for the visit. It was written that Miss Sheldon was almost unconscious when her son was ushered into her room handcuffed, but she recognized him and tried to say something, but her voice left her and all she could do was move her lips. Oh, nice human interest piece. The man may be evil, but he's still some mother's son. At least she should be granted some respect and allowed to see her son before she passes. Yeah, that's a really good and sweet story. But the problem with that is that uh, Stagger Lee's mother passed away 12 years before that. And the good sheriff had no clue about the whole thing till he read it in the Sunday morning newspaper. Now, Mondays can be rough, especially when your boss is surprised and the news tells everyone that he told you to do something he did. Now, that must have been how Deputy Sheriff Thompson and Langford felt when their boss, Sheriff Troll, read the paper about Stackley's weekend excursion to visit his sick mama. Not to mention when it was discovered Stackley's mom, like I said, had been dead for 12 years. The little side trip from jail became common knowledge in a couple of weeks. The press reported that Thompson took Stag Lee, who was charged with murder from the city jail, at the request of an unknown woman, and accompanied him to various parts of the city. It is said that Lee was allowed to remain alone with the woman for over an hour, and afterwards celebrated his brief period of liberty by getting drunk in a local bar. The facts leaked out after a few days and created quite a stir that Sheriff Troll felt it incumbent upon himself to investigate. Now, the incident was put before a grand jury a little bit later, and the grand jury, fortunately for the deputies, found that the issue was a personal issue and not a criminal one, that the deputies had been duped as well. The two deputies were able to keep their jobs, but they ended up being suspended for about 30 days. After the suspension was completed, there were several news articles I could find detailing the activities of Deputy Thompson and Lankford as courthouse deputies once more after their suspension was up. So they did go back to work after their 30-day suspension. In June, Lee Shelton's attorney was able to get his bond lowered somewhat. Lee Shelton was released on a $3,000 bond that was fronted by a pawnbroker by the name of Morris H. Smith. Now, the question at that time that people wanted to know later was, did this money come from his political connections? That's a possibility, I guess. The next July, the trial finally started. Attorney Dryden argued the incident and killing were made in self-defense. And after three days of evidence and testimony, the most of it, dissertations by the attorney, the case went to the jury. Unfortunately, the jury could not agree on a verdict. There were seven votes for murder and two for manslaughter and three for acquittal. In October of 1887, a second trial occurred in the courtroom of Judge James Withrow. And of course, this time Dryden couldn't be there because he had drunk himself and morphined himself to death. 
The jury took two hours to return a guilty of verdict of second-degree murder, and as a result, Shelton began a 25-year sentence in the Jefferson, Missouri Penitentiary. It might be worth noting that this was only one of five similar murders that day that occurred in St. Louis, all of them taking place in alcohol-selling establishments. Now, while in prison, Stackley's friends and associates several times provided a signed petition to the governor asking that Shelton be released. Even though they did this, of course, the, the dying mother visit probably didn't help the matter any as far as petitions goes. Shelton did 14 years in prison before he was paroled in 1909. But he was out for just two years when he picked up another charge of assault and battery and ended up back in prison again. This time, no collection of signatures was able to get Stackley out. He ended up dying in the hospital prison at the Missouri State Penitentiary in Jefferson City, Missouri, on March 11, 1912, from tuberculosis. Stackley became your typical gangster type parallel to the glorification of the outlaw in a section of mainstream society. Some writers say he is the embodiment of the tough black man who is sly, streetwise, cool, lawless, immoral, and potentially violent. Within 30 years of Shelton's death, Benjamin Botkins, an American folklorist and scholar, he recorded several stories and superstitions that came from Stackley or about Stackley or Shelton to try to explain why he was what he was. One story said that he had been born with a cowl over his face. Now, I had to look this up because I didn't know what it meant. A child born with a cowl had a portion of a birth membrane remaining on the head after birth. Now, when this is said to occur in folklore, it was said to signify a person with the power to see spirits and one who is destined for trouble. Well, don't know about the spirits seeing thing, but we know that he found a lot of trouble. Another story was that Lee had sold his soul to the devil in exchange for the hat, the Stetson, said to be magic, over which he killed Billy Lyons over. Other fantastic legends credit him with the ability to transform himself into an animal, kind of a changeling type thing. Another fantastic story says he had a duel with Jesse James. The Stonks tradition embellishes the story with a lot of or different inaccuracies or fantastic details. And of course, the song refers to the importance of Stagley Stetson's hat as a symbol of his manliness. Some lyrics say he received a death sentence for his crime and was hung, which he accepted very stoically and with a straight face. But we know that wasn't true. He died in prison. Some versions of the song add a section where Stagley goes to hell and takes it over, kicking the devil out. You know that special place in hell. The real Stagley Shelton is buried at the historic Greenwood Cemetery in Hillsdale, Missouri. An organization called the Killer Blues Headstone Project. They raised money to place a stone on his unmarked grave. And on April 14th, 
2013, the marker was laid during a public cemetery. Engraved on the marker is an image of Stagalee Stetson for everyone to see. That's our Shade of Blue story for this weekend. I hope you found it interesting. If you got the opportunity, listen to a version of Stagger Lee. James Brown has a good one. And I'm not really sure. I've got, I haven't listened to all of them yet to determine what is my favorite. But I would say it's probably going to end up being the version by Doc Watson. I had the opportunity to hear Doc play that live. And I guess that's probably going to be my favorite version. Well, if you have the opportunity in the coming weeks and it presents itself, try to help somebody out. Do something good for somebody. It's really the right thing to do. If more people did it, of course, we'd be in a much better world. And believe me, the way things are going right now, we really need to be in a better place than things. Also, remember, be safe, be secure in the coming weeks. If you have the opportunity, check out our website, scottlunsfordauthor.com and felonfile.com. You can find some interesting information there on us and our podcasting hub. Be sure to come back next week for another episode, another Shade of Blue story here on The Felon File. Victoria, go ahead and close us out. You got the controls, and we'll talk to you guys later. Bye, y'all. This has been a Shade of Blue story on the Felon File podcast with your host, Scott Lunsford, retired police detective, author, and researcher. Go to felonfile.com for more information. This is Victoria, your producer. Police officer, how can it be? You can rest everybody but cruel Stagley, that bad man. Oh, cruel Stagley. Mr. Lion told Stagley, please don't take my life. I got two little babes and a darling loving wife. That bad man, oh cruel Stagley. What I care about you two little babes and darling loving wife. You done stole my stuttering hat, I'm bound to take your life. That bad man, oh cruel Stanley.
was off the jury What you think of that? Staggerly killed in the line By the fire dogs stuck on hand That bad man Oh, cruel Staggerly Standing on the gallows Head way up high at twelve o'clock they killed him Is all glad to see him die That bad man Oh, cruel Stagley